Here's the pitch. Oliver wants to throw. He's got Lance Carl open. Caught. 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The Buffaloes at four on a 53-yard pass from O.C. Oliver to Lance Carl. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. to a new Buff Stampede Radio, a special edition. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com. And today I'm joined by Forever Buff, Doug Rippey. Doug saw action in a total of 34 games as a linebacker throughout his career at CU between 2008 and 2012. And now he's an assistant football coach at Groveport Madison High School in Ohio. Doug, I'm very much looking forward to catching up with you. Uh, how are you? I'm doing well, man. I can't complain. How about yourself? Good. You know, we finally have football practices to cover. We're not actually able to go in person, but we're doing it virtually. And just to get closer, I, I couldn't even watch college football the first few weeks of the season just because I miss being able to cover CU. Have you been watching yeah. much college football? No, nah, not really. It's crazy because, like, it was uh, was it last weekend. I kind of caught a glimpse, of, like a glimpse of some games, but I wasn't really interested because we're not playing. So yeah, if we're not playing, I, I really don't watch it. Plus, the Big Ten ain't playing. I got a cut. I got a kid. Got two kids actually that's playing in the Big Ten. So, like I said, when I start up, I'll be able to catch them, and then of course the buff. So yeah, that's a good thing. I know your season just concluded at Groveport Madison. How many games were you guys able to get in this season? So we was able to get in six. Uh, the good thing is, and it's crazy because um, after the playoffs, you're still able to schedule between two and three games afterwards. Um, so we scheduled two of them. Um, and this is just mainly to give us looks for next year. Um, as you know, we have an emerging class of guys and um, just trying to give everybody looks to see what we can can do differently. And, 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 and as far as um, – different schemes and stuff, just kind of try to figure that out because, you know, things change and everything like that. And then with our coaching staff, we're, uh, we got a new head coach compared to last year. So this was his first year kind of filling everything out and I'm getting an understanding of, and I feel like next year when we get into it, it'll definitely be different. I'm sure those juniors and sophomores will be excited to get a little bit more on tape as well. Is that been kind of tough to keep those guys patient? Yeah, it is. And um, like I said, we have some really good, good juniors and um, sophomores. We actually got a good incoming freshman class um, coming in too as well. I got to see the eighth graders playing them and some big boys. Like when we look at, when I look at my, like if we looked at ourselves probably in middle school and going into high school, we'd be like, oh, you know, but I was a pretty big kid, but seeing some of these kids, they're big. Like, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like what are y'all eating? Like, but that's a good thing though, because 
you know, we got a, a very talented uh, coaching staff. A lot of us played uh, collegiate level. It doesn't matter if it's D1 or D2. But a lot of us have that football knowledge. A lot of us, uh, some of the coaches that's there, we have over, like, uh, two coaches there, let alone have over 80-some years of experience combined together. So it's a good thing to be able to learn from them and also take some things that uh, – that we've learned in college to implement to these guys to kind of get them going. But I'm really excited about next year when, like I said, the juniors and sophomores. How long have you been coaching now and what was your motivation to begin coaching? Man, uh, it's been going on my fourth year. Um, but what motivated me was um, my coach, uh, my high school coach. He actually, when I got me to play football, um, and he was like a huge part of my um I should say my career and, and what I've done just by the things that he taught me and, and the things that he instilled in me at an early age, like around like 14 or so, you know, when you transition into that, from that boy into that man stage, you start to learn these things. And I still carry them values to this day. Um, he passed away six years ago. So I kind of took a break from football. I just kind of wanted to get away from it all because, you know, when you lose somebody like that and that's been the key part in your life, and then also your career and, and make you fall in love with something. It's kind of hard when you lose that person. And it's just like, I lost everything. But at that point, you know, it was just like when you start working and then, you know, I didn't even watch football for a minute. So besides the CU games, but there were some games I didn't really catch. Um, but now that I've like, there's been guys and I've been like giving points and tips to guys, this sort of like consultant sort of. And then I just, Coach just said, hey, do you want to coach? And I couldn't turn it down because I still had that burning desire down the side, you know, to, to still be able to give, like I said, these younger guys that want to do something with their lives a chance to be able to do something. So um, just to be able to – the main thing was just to be able to mentor these kids through life because I've been through a lot of things, not only at CU but outside of CU as well. And just to help them stay focused, because I know at times, you know, when things hit us, adversity hit us, we don't really get to stay on track of football. So just to be able to give them kids that aspect of the game, but also give them the X's and O's from what I've learned as well. So that's the good thing about coaching. And I, and I felt like it was my duty to do that. Before we recount your experiences at CU and get your thoughts on the state of the program, I wanted to get your evaluation of Delaney Wilburn on the podcast. Just so listeners know, Delaney Wilburn's a 2022 defensive back prospect there at Groveport, Madison, and he recently picked up his first FBS offer from the bus. What, what can you tell us about Delaney? Man, that kid is going to be special. You want me to tell you what's funny about it? So listen, I lied to you not. His sophomore year, he was playing corner. And I saw something and I said, nah. So I said, you want me to say, well, he got good length and size. I'm going to move him. Just use him as our uh, weak side linebacker. But Delaney, he was he didn't play much because we had a, a deep group. But Delaney, when he got in, he made plays. Like he took a – he had two touchdowns last year. He took a pick six to the crib and a fumble to the crib. So this year, we moved him back to his position. I'm like a corner safety. He really played corner, but we moved him to safety. But just from him being a linebacker, he was physical. So he could always cover and catch. Like, he could always cover. But like I said, that physicality part, oh, man, it's unmatched. So the thing is, like, a lot of schools, they've been calling me or whatnot, about, um, calling us about them. But the thing is, man, 
I just told him to take his time, enjoy the process. But I know, I know deep down inside uh, where he want to go. Once he visits there, I think, I think, I think it's a, it's a done deal. But I don't want to make any promises yet. But I, he's a great kid, man. Um, he coming from a good family. I love his parents, man, because they're they're so excited about the whole process and they know how hard he works. But like I said, man, what if see you get him, I'm telling you, that's gonna be a great kid for the program. And I think he'll play a long time afterwards as well. He kind of remind me of Ryan Walters and Jimmy Smith mixed. You Jimmy, can do worse than that, that's for sure. Yeah, he he could cover like Jimmy, but he's a hard hitter like Ryan. So that's the good, that's the good thing. But like I said, what messes him up at times, and I tell him, you can't always rely on your speed. Do your job. That's all, you know. But he, if you if you were to rate his games, he he have unbelievable games. But the most small, the small things that he got to work on to improve as a player, and now we're going to work on this off season. So, but he's a great kid, and I, I feel like it, like I said, any program that game is going to be a great kid and a great asset to that program. Obviously, Ohio's in the heart of Big Ten country, but it's a state that produces a lot of talent. How, how do you think C would fare had, had they spent more time, if they did spend more time recruiting the state? Adam, listen, you got me and Speedy there from Ohio. You got Deji there from Ohio. I mean, you got so many kids from Ohio. The thing is, I think if if they continue to keep coming out here, my thing is kids are going to see that. Well, Colorado's been coming to Ohio a lot. Thing is, a lot of kids don't want to go to Big Ten schools because the thing is, Big Ten, you playing the shitty weather. Excuse my language. You playing them. You playing the terrible weather. So, thing is, when you get out to like CU and out to the West Coast, it's a different, different scene, different like different things you could be around, different people that you could be around, and different environments. Because I feel like in the Midwest, you get the same cold weather. Everybody think Colorado's cold. I said, no, you would love it when you go to Colorado because you won't want to come back. Because the weather's nice, the people's nice. So it's a good college town. You ain't got to worry about the things that you dealt with back home or anything like that. And the thing about Colorado, too, I feel like if a lot of kids go there, they can actually grow up because there's things that happen at CU where I wasn't able to come back home and attend to because then I thought that would have probably made me stay home. But I feel like once you get away from home, and you see how our program really is and how they treat you. Like, see, you treated me like family. Like, whenever something happened, I always knew I had support from them and et cetera. So I feel like once kids start seeing that and they see that kids are successful going there, coming from Ohio or from the Midwest, a lot more kids will gravitate towards that. And, of course, winning and stuff comes. And then, you know, we got the coolest jerseys, I think, in the nation. So I get a lot of people that, that compliment me on that. They be like, the one thing I will say is y'all have like the craziest jersey selections and helmets. And I was like, that's just the plus of going there. But, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited about, like I said, the program. But I feel like if they if they actually came here more often, because the past couple of years I've been trying to push kids, push kids. And it's like, you know, I know they have their main areas where they want to target. But, you know, Ohio is a, a, a football state. They produce a lot of athletes and talents here. We have them. They just have to come and get them. You were born in Philadelphia, correct? When, when did yeah, you move born, to Ohio? So I moved to Ohio when I was six. I used to go back and forth because my uh, my but my whole family's in Philadelphia. But my mom, she just wanted to get us out of there to be in a better environment just because Philadelphia was getting a little crazy. 
Um, and then, like I said, when we moved to Ohio, it was completely different because we're from the city and, the, and like the city here in Ohio was completely different in Columbus, Ohio. So I was just like, man, it's, it's different. But the good thing is I'm happy my mom made that move just so she could provide us with a better, like I said, future and and for me to be able to to do the things that I wanted to do um, as far as in like athletic and academically, you know, because no telling what would have happened back there with all the stuff going on there. So. I know from talking to you at CU outside of those interviews, you you, you were candid about the fact that, uh, you know, you had peers that had to go through a bunch of stuff. What was it like growing up in your area of Ohio? It was tough because it wasn't too better than the situation where we moved from Philadelphia, but just from, you know, when you don't know nobody and stuff like that, when you move here, you got a few family members. Um, it was definitely like the friends and peers that I met, like my best friend, he was killed. Um, and the drive-by shooting, um, don't even know what happened, what transpired, but stuff like that, you know, like I'm at my mom's house right now and it's still in the same house that I grew up in here. And like I said, it's, it's different now because once you're growing up in this area, you get acclimated to things. People know who house that is. People know not to mess with this family whatnot. And it's crazy because every time I used to come home for school, from school, everybody brought Doug home, like, hey, we got to go say hi, what's up? But you know, when you lose a lot of friends and peers that teach you to uh, enjoy life. And, and and I feel like a lot of, like I said, when I was in CU, a lot of people, they didn't experience that too much. Um, but when they when they see that it hits home close to a person that, you know, you can uh, you could kind of feel and then and, and not really experience what you kind of feel what that person is going through because of the way that their body language and reaction is. But the good thing that. Um, I took from it, you know, even though there was some situations I couldn't be back home for, but football was what really saved me because when I got out to practice, I don't know, like, you know what I'm saying? That was, that's where I laid everything out. That's where I was able to take all like the frustration and stuff out. And, and I think that's the characteristic uh, that I was telling you about from growing from a, uh, a boy to a man and like football is, is X's and O's, but it's life afterwards. So you got peers that you grew up with that don't, that don't typically see eye to eye with the things that you're trying to do and stuff like that, then you just have to re- like, you know what I'm saying? Move, remove yourself from the situation and move forward. And that's what I kind of had to do. I kind of had to choose and pick what I wanted to do. And football and school is what I really wanted to do. Cause I, I knew that there was much more to life than here. And a lot of peers get trapped here because, you know, they don't have nobody that's going to tell them to do different or anything like that. So you know, that's why I like coaching because it gives them kids hope and stuff like that because they see that somebody come from the same environment that they did and they was able to go on and do things like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't get to stick around in the NFL, but I got a chance to be around it, see it and feel it. And then, like I said, I, I, I try to push kids to be better than me because at the end of the day, they are future. They're going to be the ones taking care of us. <laughs> yeah. I want to go through your your recruiting process now. Oh. CU, CU fans might forget that you were initially verbally committed to Nebraska. What yeah, was that? They, what, what was that whole process like? What what initially oh, made you man. pick Nebraska? So the funny thing is, uh, when I decommitted from Nebraska, I was still I was still thinking about going there on signing day. It's funny because I told my head coach at my high school to have Pitts and. Um, Nebraska's letter of intent already just because I, I was still kind of iffy about everything just because you know Josh Williams he backed out because initially it was supposed to be me Bryce Sean uh 
and Josh Williams all commit. But when Josh backed out and me and Josh got close, um, then when Hagen came in, you know, Hagen, he built a relationship with my mom. My mom was scared about me going off far because I committed to Nebraska without telling my mom. So you can only think about how my mom felt when she found out I committed to Nebraska on ESPN. She was hot. So um, next thing you know, you know, talking with my mom and then Hagen, he, he came to the school. And, like, the funniest thing what made me really, like, commit was – Hagen came into my school. Nebraska's new tight end coach had came into my school. And, uh, when Hagen, when Hagen like low-key showed his butt, like you get what I'm saying? Because he knew he was there. I already knew, like, okay, Hagen really, he really wants me there. You know, because at that point he didn't even care if the other coach was in there. He would just like, you know, show me stuff with them beating Nebraska and him doing the famous pitch. And I'm just like, okay, I see what you I see what you on, Hagen, but the main thing was just the relationship that he built with my mom. And then when I got out there um, with Josh and, and, and Bryson, no, man, I, I, I fell in love with it. And then, like I said, just afterwards, just the relationship that I, I kept building with Coach um, Hagen. And then when we got Speedy out there, it was a done deal. I told him, I said, he asked me, this is probably like four, a month before signing day. He was like, is there a running back in Columbus? I gave him two. First one I gave him was, uh, Speedy, and then I gave him Pete, and he looked at both of them. He liked both of them, but Pete was already committed to Cincinnati, and the Speedy was still open. So in my head, I'm saying, all right, listen, we got to get Speedy. Like, he, if he comes, I'm, I'm for sure, like, for sure, for sure coming in my head. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I didn't tell Hagen this at the time, but I'm, I'm for sure coming. So when we got Speedy, I was like, okay, it's a done deal. Then they had lost to Alabama in the bowl game. Do you remember that year in 2007? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, man, because Michigan State came in there, then Wisconsin, because Joe Rudolph, who was the uh, OC, now he was a tight end coach at Nebraska, became the tight end coach at um, Wisconsin. And I was talking to him, and I had a really great relationship with him, but I just decided to stick with CU because at the end of the day, if if I gave Hagen my word, I was going to keep it. And he told me everything. If I did everything, what I was supposed to do, everything was going to turn out the way that it was supposed to. And it did, you know, despite some minor things. But at the end of the day, I ended up having a pretty good career there. And, and I love it. And I love seeing the death, even though sometimes it, it kills me. But I, I love him to death and I can never trade on my team. Never. Did Darian Hagen ever share that he almost went to Nebraska as well? No, he didn't. I think I think that's the reason why he probably was acting like that that day. I'm gonna call him when I get off the phone. Phone with you, cause me and him gonna have a problem. Yeah, Bill McCartney had a famous in home with him and was able to convince him that that C was where he should be. The funny thing is, so listen, when I decommitted, you know who called me literally the next day? Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne don't call nobody. I was like, oh man, cause I'm like, I'm like Tom Osborne. I'm like. Who? I'm like, what? That's the, that's the AD. I'm like, and he was telling me that I was going to get a coach. And then Bo Pelini came out and saw me twice in one week. I guess what they were trying to do was just to keep that class together. Um, because, you know, it's kind of hard and not late, late in the process to get guys assigned. You just don't want to sign anybody and then et cetera. So, but yeah, man, I love seeing you. I'm glad I went there. And uh, I will never, ever forgive them for tearing down the hill because <laughs> them it's, kids them, 
the kids after us don't never will never get to experience that. You they're know, still, they're quad, still a ramp there, but yeah, they don't practice very often down there. They they're they've got it pretty good now. Yeah, they do. They spoiled. I I, I was I'm low key I'm low key upset. I could have I could have been walking to the uh the practice field from the uh, weight room, but we had to go down that hill. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you mentioned gifting CU Rodney Stewart. He's actually your second cousin, correct? Yeah, it's my second cousin. So it's my dad's side, like my dad's okay. side of the family is huge. Um, I actually have a lot of cousins in Ohio that I didn't know about. Like literally, like we have a Facebook group, um, just the Rippies, and there's so many of us. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, like trying to keep up with everybody. Because it was funny when I was at CU, I used to get a friend request from a Rippie. <laughs> probably like every other week and whatnot. Then I found out that it was so many of us and I'm just like, Jesus. So, but yeah, Speedy's my second cousin. I talk to him often. Like I literally just talked to him three days ago and he's doing well. He's making music. He still works out like crazy. You would never think Rodney was done playing. Um, and he's going to eventually get into coaching, but he want to get into training, um, training kids. Um, Cause that's, that's what he do all day. Um, we got a little cousin. Uh, his nephew is actually a running back at uh, Ola Tangi High School, and he's doing really well there. He's a, a sophomore, a sophomore this year, and he's getting looked at by some people. So, like I said, we're just trying to keep everything in the family and just trying to get guys out there and and whatnot. Because I feel like what we talked about with the recruiting thing in Ohio. You know, everybody don't want to go to Ohio State. Everybody don't want to go to Michigan. People want to be able to explore and go out. Like I said, we got too many kids here for people not to be coming here, man. Yeah. Many people. Your your 2008 class had Daryl Scott set to announce on signing day. Ray Polk, a four-star running back. Obviously, he moved to safety later. Was a running yeah. back committed at the time. I remember I was watching the Super Bowl at a friend's house, and I got a call from a, a source at CU. And Rodney Stewart had just taken his official visit to CU, and they said, we got to keep this kid under wraps because he's really good, and he's going to scare off Daryl Scott, who they really wanted as well. And, you know, to be honest with you, it was kind of an afterthought. But then I went home and watched Rodney's senior film, and it was unbelievable. If he had not gotten hurt his junior year, what do you think his recruiting process would have looked like? Oh, it would have been crazy because – the funny thing is, my junior, our junior year, Speedy didn't play against us, and I was wondering like why. Find out he tore, tore his ACL, but if he would have played that year, no telling. Like I think, I think Michigan probably would have came in. I think it would have he would have ex- exploded to be one of them because he's a smaller back, but you see how he's built and how fast and how strong he is, and he's so so quick. So that's what made me a good tackler. I tell people all the time, like if you could tackle Riley Stewart. Then hey, like going against him in practice, he made so many people look foolish. You seen him, bad? You seen it? And yeah. the thing is, he did it in high school with it. It was so easy and a second nature to him. Like he didn't play no halves in high school. He'll play the first half and he'll done. Like he had four touchdowns, like four hundred yards. Like it's crazy. I'm like, who does this? It's like you created him on Madden, but he had a he had a good he had a good high school career. And the thing is, still to this day, they talk about him and Pete. And I get my personal opinion on not being biased because he's my family, but I'm going to go with Speedy every time. Like, if you look at the two body of work, like Speedy's highlight tape, his senior year was unreal. 
unreal. And I feel like he could have possibly went anywhere in the country due to his size, like if he would have played his junior year, no doubt. What was like for you when you first got out to Boulder? What was that a, kind of a, an adjustment? You mentioned a little yeah. bit about uh, maybe a little bit of a homesickness period. Yeah, it was a culture shock. It was, uh, I was homesick. And then it got to the point where like, you know, everything like, cause I registered my freshman year and I was like, man, I'm just ready to transfer. And then John Major talked me out of it um, because then when um, the coaches got fired, you know, I just didn't really know where because I was just bouncing back and forth between outside, back or inside. I was really trying to find my niche. And then, you know, Coach Cabral, like, I, I think the with John Major talking to me and then the one conversation that me and Coach Cabral had kind of flipped the light switch. And then from there on, that's what kind of – that's what they got out of me. So, I mean – it was a culture shock. I tell a lot of kids, like, you know, because when you come from a, a predominantly black school and you go to Boulder and you're the only African-American in your class, you know, it's kind of different because at the end of the day, you know, we interact with teachers and stuff, but you don't know how to interact with peers your age because in Ohio, where in Columbus, where I live at, there ain't too many, there wasn't too many you get what I'm saying? Whites that we would see or whatnot. If we see them, you know, we really didn't. They'll speak, but it's, like, hard to speak to them because you don't want to come off rude or anything like that. And um, that's the one thing that I've learned, and I've learned how to, to talk because when I got out to see you, you know, it was – you had to learn how to talk to them, like talk to talk to different races because, you know, you're in classes with Asians and all that other stuff. So it was, it was definitely a culture shock, but the thing that I love about it is now – that I'm able to like go there, enjoy my time. I know the surroundings. I'm I'm comfortable. Like I don't like it. Ain't like you got to go somewhere and be uncomfortable and 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 like out yourself out. Like you're not from around there. Like whenever I go back to Colorado, I love it. I don't want to leave. I want to stay there. But it's getting so expensive, Adam. Yes, it's getting so it expensive, man. So yeah. whatever you're doing, I got to figure out what you're doing so I can Ooh. get there. Well, I don't live in Boulder. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, no, I couldn't live in Boulder. That's way too much. Oh, man. Rent there my rent there when I was in school was crazy. Yeah. And I can you only imagine what it is now. You mentioned your friendship with, with John Major. Football is great for so many reasons. Oh, yeah. And I think close to the top of the list, if not the top of the list, is – like you said, getting to know people that maybe have different backgrounds for you. And, yeah. uh, you know, was that a big part of being able to get comfortable at CU? Yeah, because the thing is, let me tell you what's funny, Adam. So Bryce Givens, you remember Bryce, he was his mm -hmm. dad and them was going to let me transfer during my senior year. I was going to stay with them. But I started talking to John. Me and John didn't talk much through the recruiting process. Uh, we would text there and here. But then when I got there, our freshman year, we said, probably like I could tell you probably like a hundred words together sophomore year it was different because I moved inside and we built uh we developed a relationship but now that's my best friend he did he the guy that of my children and you know he just had this little he just had his son Fergus so you know it's just it's just crazy how after football we're still able and even D Derek Webb Pat Mankey like our linebacker group we still keep in contact with each other like but me D Webb John Major still talk to Pat. We all still keep a close knit relationship because at the end of the day, we was in school. That's all we knew. 
Um, you know, I tell people all the time, when you go to school, you really don't de develop friendships outside of the football team as close as, as you would back home. Like, there's people that I probably don't even talk to as much as I do back home. But when I'm talking to Johnny, I talk to them just about every day. So it's just like, you know, I tell them, like, you think your best friend's here now? Wait till you get to school, you're going to meet one. Because you're with them every day for the next four to five years of your life. And like I said, like, depending on where you go, like, the good thing about my decision to go to CU, I just didn't – I could fly home, but I, sometimes, like, I just didn't want to. And I could stay there with them and, and like I said, meet their families and see how it is because it's a breath of fresh air just to, to be somewhere else and just to kind of see the environment and get to know the environment then going back to the same environment that you came from. I said at the top – you played a lot of games. You started a lot of games at CU, had over 100 tackles. You would have had more, though, if not for those pesky injuries. I think it was two two knee surgeries and an ankle injury. Mm -hmm. How frustrating was that going through? Man, it was it was frustrating, Adam. And I'm going to tell you, so my junior year, right, the, the year – because I was going to declare that year. Um, I told Coach before the season, like, I'm, I'm leaving, just because of the situation back at home and et cetera. Um, so funny thing is, after we who did we play before Washington? Was it Stanford? It was Stanford before we played Washington. Um, my grandmother's funeral was that week. I wasn't gonna play in that game, but this is the week that Malcolm Kerr went off in practice. And I remember getting a phone call from John and them. They text him like, dog, we need you back, such and such. I'm like, all right, man, I'll think about it. So then I get a call from Coach Cabral. And when I could hear the pain and, and the frustration in Coach Cabral's voice, I had to have this conversation with my mom and them because this is literally like two days after my grandmother's funeral. So I just really wanted to take that week off and just kind of decompress and stuff like that. So I told my mom, and I'm getting a ticket to go out to Colorado the next day. I get on the flight. They all said, okay, do you want to go play? Go play. So, you know, I probably practiced one or two days, get out to Washington. I felt like, and the thing is, I didn't really know much of the game. I knew the game plan and what we were doing, but it was like I didn't have enough time to prepare for it. But it was one of the best games that I was having. And then the knee injury and that, I, it's just, it was crushing. But at the same time, they got a chance for younger guys to step up because at the end of the day, when things happen like that, we need guys to step up. But, um, yeah, I definitely wanted to break Jordan's record um, of tackles that season. That was a goal of mine, and of course, to be an All American and win the buckets. But I fell short of that, and I, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and do anything over because at the end of the day, you know, I, I felt like I've done everything for the program. I, I laid my body out, did just about everything right. So I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of the opportunity I had to play at CU, and I'm glad that I was able to to produce the way that I did. Going back to your your friendship with John Major. Whose idea was it that you guys were only going to conduct interviews together during your senior year? I think it was remember, a mutual remember that? Great, uh, Yeah, the two peas in the pot. Um, <laughs> I will never forget that. It was just because, you know, we just wanted to make it fun. It was our last year, you know, and we did really live up to the expectations that we had ourselves just through the injuries and coaching changes and stuff like that. So we wanted to make it fun and – um most importantly, we just wanted to make it was a it was a relationship report for us because that's what that's what we it was just us. We was roommates 
we just did everything together. So we just made it fun. And, and like I said, when I look back at it, I go back and look at the interviews and stuff like that. Thank God I could talk better now because I, I used to hate doing interviews because I used to mumble so much. But now you're going to um, now I could do them with no ease. And then, like I said, just just John and I were just having fun and we wanted to make it a little bit more interesting for you guys. It was fun. It was fun. When you think back to your time at CU, what are your favorite memories? Oh, man. I got some memory. Beating Georgia, beating West Virginia my freshman year. Um, that was the, the biggest one because it, Speedy went off that game. I was really excited for him. Then it was Georgia. It did the other one I would say, of course, beating CSU was a great memory. Um, I got so many. Adam, you hit me. You, you asked me too quick, man. I got to write that down. I got too many. But the, the one thing I can tell you was the best memory, though, and I'm glad that Coach Cabral got a chance to experience was when he became the interim head coach and we turned it around. If we wouldn't have lost to Kansas, we would have been in the bowl game. Yeah, but that, yeah. I think that was I think that was the because you know everybody thought Coach Cabral would I always thought Coach Cabral would be a good head coach because he could pick his coordinators to do his job. But as far as getting a team motivated and for to bring the best out of guys, Coach Cabral always knew how to do that. So he, like I said, I think that time period was like my best memories there. But then also I think the best game that I had was against Cal. At CU, when we lost um, in a heartbreaker, man, that was a that was a tough one. Coach Cabral, Brian Cabral, he's still active in the program. CU fans obviously love him. Any insight you can give us into what makes him a really good mentor? Yeah, because Coach Cabral, the thing about him, so Coach Cabral made me cry. A lot of people don't know this, and this is where the light switch. Jay Sean, I mean, Coach Sykes walked past. He was like, I can't believe Doug and they're crying, but. Coach Cabral, like, when I mean, if he seriously wants to get to a player, he finds out how, like, he'll constantly poke at you to bring the best out you. And then once he finds that little weak spot, he's able to bring that out of you It then able to instill something else to you to believe in yourself. Like, he made me fall on believe myself and everything that I did. Like, you know, because at first, it becomes discouraging for kids when they get there. You know, when you're a freshman, you get to see you. You don't really know what to expect. Everything's completely different from high school. Your way different program, tutoring and everything. You have all that stuff set up for you. So, but as far as in the playing and, and life stuff, like Coach Cabral always, because he's a like I say, he's a very religious man. He's a he's always going to be honest and upfront. And I think most importantly, like the love that he has for people. And um, the well-being of your mental state and stuff like that, Coach Cabral always been one of the best at it. And um, I feel like that's the reason why he's a good mentor because it's not, it ain't always about X's and O's, but about life. Like, you could always go – I still call Coach Cabral to this day and talk to him about things, and he'll always pick up the phone. he always make a joke like, oh, you know how he do that little – he was look what the weather brought in, Doug Rippey, and then we'll have a conversation for about, like, 30 or 40 minutes. And it's like – it's like sitting in front of him, sitting in his office, like, you know, and, and I feel like that's what a good thing that CU did bring him back because 
I was really like pushing for that, you know, and and it, it just sucked because I felt like a lot of kids missed out on like a key monument in the program without having Cabral there. And, and I'm just glad that he's back. You had the experience of getting recruited, playing big time college football. What type of advice do you give the players you're coaching now, given that experience that you have? I tell them go to a school that that needs them. Um, it's a difference between want and need. And, you know, I try to tell kids about academics, just try to break down things so they can understand. Because at the same time, you just don't want to go to school just to play football. And then your your degree don't really hold up to what you want to do in life. So try to educate them on that. Um, and I just tell them to enjoy the process and trust it. Like, you know, build relationships, make sure that your coach, you have a good relationship with your coach because at the end of the day, that's going to be the person that you're going to be with for, for the next four to five years. So I always tell kids about that. But like I said, as far as in the school, I just tell them to enjoy it and, and have fun because, you know, once it's, once it's, you pick a school, that's that. You know, and, and, and once you know, and I tell a lot of kids too because, you know, you got a lot of schools coming in, try to get kids, and you know how that whole thing works. If you if you feel like that school is for you, stick with it. Don't change. Don't don't do none of that because you get people that talk in the ears. I just like this decision is for you, only you. Like I tell Delaney, I said this decision is you. I mean, as bad as I want you to go there, I'm not going to force you to go there. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you all the good things that you want to hear it. All the bad things that you want, I'll be able to tell you them things, but there ain't really too many bad things I can tell you about CU. But I just told, like, a lot of these guys, because we have another kid that's a linebacker. Uh, his name is Braden Gatier. Um, He's going to be a really – he kind of reminds me of John, sort of. He's not there yet because John's senior highlight tape was unreal, like unreal. But he's a really good, hardworking kid. And he's going to he's gonna blow up pretty soon, but I just tell them not to worry, just to enjoy it. And whatever happens, it's going to happen. You know, if a school likes you, if a school loves you, they're going to tell you, and that's how it's going to go. But I just really tell them to enjoy it. If they if they need you, go. If they want you, you know what I'm saying? You, you're going to know the difference. You're going to feel the vibes of the coaches and stuff like that, so – you're a married man. You have two young children. We were talking before we hit record here that uh, your youngest is 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 keeping you busy. Yeah, he is, man. He's keeping me busy. He's going to be out there in Colorado soon in like the next 17 years. So um, I think I think you get what I'm saying. He kind of crazy because my mom said he remind him. Uh, rem, she remind he remind him of me when I was younger because of how how fast he's like advancing and. He's walking, and if you see he's built, like, he's built like me, and that's crazy because, like I said, like, when he crawled, it's not a regular crawl. It's a bear crawl, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> so if a coach want to send him on bear crawls, he could do them all day. <laughs> but uh, my young, my daughter, she's four, very intelligent, and she's about almost four feet tall at four years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's going to be a – She's going to be tall, so I'm trying to figure out. She's, she's in into a little everything. She want to play basketball, volleyball, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. You know, when you're being a parent, you got responsibilities. So yeah, yeah. you got you to gotta make sure that you can, you can make them things come come true for them. Because, like, like I said, my kids, now that I had a, a really good mentor 
that kind of shaped in my stepdad. He did a really good job of shaping me into the man that I am. I'm able to to instill these things into them that that they instilled into me. So that's a good thing. And like I said, it's just crazy now that I have two kids and I'm 30 and I'm about to be 31. So I'm loving it, though. I wouldn't trade it in for the world, Adam. I know you keep tabs on CU's program. You mentioned that. You make it back to Boulder when you can. What's it been like being afar and, and seeing this program transition from John Embry to Mike McIntyre to Mel Tucker and now to Carl Durrell? Man, it's been it's it's been crazy, but I, I'm I'm loving the process because you know when when you look at everything that kind of transpired with the ads and stuff like that, and I really love what George is doing up there as far as in with coaching and the programs and stuff like that. But um, you know, when Mel Tucker left, it was just like, damn, like he wasn't even there like two years, like. And he's out. And then, you know, I'm glad that we actually got a guy that's been in the program before. And and we kind of retained all the coaches that was here. Um, well, most of the coaches, well, two of the, what was the two coaches that retained? Four of them, yeah. Four. Well, four of them retained. So it's like, you know, it ain't too much of a switch. But I feel like this year is going to be a really good year because, you know, just the extra time with, with guys getting acclimated to each other and building that trust and rapport. And you get what I'm saying? Because when we get into camp, you really don't have much time. Like when freshmen get there and with the COVID stuff going on, it was it's kind of been tough. Like, but I feel like with, with them and their classes, they're pretty much with social media and stuff nowadays is different. Like back in the day when I was playing, we wasn't really heavily on social media like that. But just seeing how all of them are able to connect and like build relationships, I feel like that's gonna really transpire the team because they're gonna be close-knit. Like coming in and, and 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 with the new coach in, in order. And then, like I said, with the guys that have been there before, like Hagan, Koshev, and all of them, they know what it's like because they played there. They're able to to, to tell the kids what to expect, and et cetera. So I feel like with the program, it's going to be totally different, and I feel like it's going to uprise because, like I said, what we've done over the years has been progress. It ain't really been on regress or anything like that. It's been progress, but – we're just a few kids away, man. I feel like, you know, our program and 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 with Coach Rail, what he's gonna bring. I'm excited um, to see what he actually brings. Um, but I feel like we're on the we're on the right direction, man. I feel like what we're doing, they're doing everything right. You know what I'm saying? They're not doing anything crazy or anything like that, like most of these programs out here. But I feel like we're doing everything right, and we're going to be making some noise this year. And just lastly, when you turn on a CU game, which players do you really enjoy watching that are there on the screen? I mean, I love, I love Nate, man. I love him, and uh, he's he's going to play a long time. And I'm I'm glad that he's back. Um, I'm glad that to see you is back. But another kid though too, I'm excited to see is Nixon. Um, he's a very explosive guy. Um, then it's the running back. What's the Alex Fontenot? Him and then it's Magnum. What's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Jaron Magnum. Yeah, I like him. I can't never say his name because it's like, man, he's from Detroit, if I'm not mistaken, from Michigan, yep. correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw him play last year. He was really good. And I feel like, like I said, with what with, with Hagen doing with the running backs and stuff like that, they're doing really good. But I'm excited just to see the whole team. But Nate, 
Yeah, man. He, he he's he's special. He's special. He's gonna be a special player, man. And I hope that everybody can remain healthy this year. We win the Pac-12, and then we get into the playoffs, man. I like the optimism. Oh, you you know how I am, Adam. You know I'm a huge CU advocate, man. It it, it hurts. Sometimes when things don't go right, but at the same time, you know, we all human. We all have emotions and stuff like that. But when you heavily love something, you're passionate about it. I'm passionate about CU because there's been a couple opportunities where I want the GA, but just due to me, uh, my family situation, it would be kind of hard. So, you know, but the main thing is I, I love CU. My wife will tell you, I talk about them all the time. She loves it there. And I, I even buy my, my kids stuff from the CU store all the time. So it's just like, you know, you're going to see pictures posted soon with the CU gear. But, yeah, man, I just I just really want them to do well so people can see that, you know, we were serious about our program. That's awesome, Doug. I had a great time catching up with you. You're one of my favorite players that I've ever covered at CU 17 years now. Uh, so, Next time you hit up, you get out to Boulder, hit me up. Uh, again, it, it was great catching up with you. Thanks for taking the time out. Man, Adam, you already know how I feel about you, man. You you one of my guys, man. And I definitely will uh, get with you when I get in Colorado. I know last time we were supposed to get together, but some things transpired. So um, I definitely – I'll probably be out there. Actually, I got a question. So how are they doing the CU games this year? Are there fans allowed or no? No fans. So It's all virtual? Yeah. There's going to be a few of us media members that can go, but even then we're going to have to conduct the post-game press conference over Zoom. So 2020, we just got to fast forward. We got to get to 2021. Yeah. I know. So my thing is how they're going to do about recruits coming in now. The the ban for recruiting has gone all the way through the end of this year. So I think it's all going to be based on where we're at as a country starting in 2021. So, yeah, gotcha, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's gotcha. unfortunate for all those recruits. This is the one time in their life. They can get out there, visit these different schools, get wine and dine. And so it's just been a, a miserable year on many levels yeah. uh, for, for a lot of us. Yeah, but like I said, man, it'll give us a chance to, to get back to where we're supposed to be at. So, But, yeah, definitely, Adam, I can't wait to, to get out there to see you, man, and hopefully meet the fam so you can be mines and then go from there. But, hey, to Buff Nation, go Buffs. You already know what it is. I would sing the fight song. But, you know, my son is out here going crazy. <laughs> so next time we'll conduct that on Zoom. Hopefully we get John on here. We get John. That would Major be great. That would be great. I should have I added him in here. We should get John Major next time, and then we'll have a whole choir. Let's All do right. it. Well, I'll let you get back to your son. But, again, Doug, I really appreciate you. Oh, uh, you too. I, need, I probably need that picture in the background too, man. It's It's pretty good, huh? Yeah, I need it, man. So you might you got you gotta tell me where you got that from because that, that looks nice. That looking good in my man cave. All right, I'll let you know. All right, Doug. <laughs> you have a good night. Have a good one. All right, you, you too. too.